On the show today, two senators asked the IRS Inspector General to investigate the agency's use of location data. The European Union's top court rules that bulk data retention is illegal. McAfee names Anna Kendrick 2020's most dangerous celebrity. Our scam of the day promises you a new coronavirus stimulus check. And today's tip discusses how to protect your smart home devices. All of that and more is coming up on the October 12, 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. Once again, I have three stories today for the newsbeat. We'll begin in Washington, where two senators have asked the IRS Inspector General's office to investigate whether the agency's use of a database of Americans' location history constituted an illegal search. In 2017 and 2018, the IRS Criminal Investigation Division purchased a subscription to a database that included location data collected from millions of cell phones. The IRS reports that agency lawyers said no warrant was necessary to use that data as part of its criminal investigations. Senators Ron Wyden and Elizabeth Warren wrote, The IRS is not above the law, and the agency's lawyers should never provide IRS-CI investigators with permission to bypass the courts and engage in warrantless surveillance of Americans. In my opinion, this is a necessary investigation. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't comment on whether there is legal precedent either way, but any time there is government use of people's data without a warrant, I think it's worth a second look. The senators aren't claiming that the IRS did violate any law, only that the agency should investigate. And in a world where it seems like so few people actually trust the government to protect rights, I think an investigation is absolutely warranted. In similar news from across the pond, the European Union's top court ruled that current European privacy legislation prohibits electronic communication services from transmitting traffic and location data to security and intelligence agencies. This case was brought by the digital privacy rights organization Privacy International, who heralded the ruling as a victory for privacy rights. Many law enforcement and intelligence agencies around the world have engaged in this collection of metadata about communications. These government agencies argue that the collection of this data is harmless because it's kept anonymous until it's needed as part of an active investigation. I think this is a great victory for privacy in Europe, and hopefully we will one day see a similar ruling here in the United States. This collection of metadata was one of the big revelations of the Edward Snowden leaks, and despite what law enforcement might claim, Collection of metadata in bulk 
can reveal a large amount of information about us, including where you live and work and what type of behaviors you engage in. And finally, in a rare venture to the world where cybersecurity and entertainment news intersect, security company McAfee has named actress Anna Kendrick as 2020's most dangerous celebrity. This assessment is made based on the number of malicious links available when you search for the names of celebrities online. This year's list seems to skew towards musicians, with Sean P. Diddy Combs, Mariah Carey, Justin Timberlake, and Taylor Swift all joining Blake Lively and Kendrick in the top six. Jimmy Kimmel, Julia Roberts, Kate McKinnon, and another singer, Jason Derulo, rounded out the top ten. Now in my mind, the specifics of the list are somewhat pointless. I doubt it's that much less safe to search for the name of a major celebrity that didn't crack the top ten than it is to search for Anna Kendrick's name. However, this list does serve as a reminder to be careful following links from Google or whatever other search engine you might prefer. Not every site is legitimate, and malicious actors will go where the people are going, even if that means setting up fake websites about Anna Kendrick. And now we move on to our scam of the day, which in this case will have nothing to do with Anna Kendrick or any other celebrity. Today's scam hit my inbox just two days ago. The sender is listed as stimulus underscore checks with a very strange email address. E-I-G-M-C-Y-Q-A-V-W-M-G-W ybvwk at jwbyba.drivefact.org. As before, for the privacy of my personal email address, I'll be censoring it by using email address instead. The subject line read, Email address, 5500 coronavirus extra checks, underscore 22. And the email reads, Thursday, October 8th, 2020, 223449-0400. Hello, email address. We need to confirm your info. One, final message. Payout verification. $3,000 payout is ready to be addressed in your name, and we want to be sure it gets to the right place. Click below to start the confirmation process. The sooner you act, the sooner it can be in your hands. Housing Benefits Assistance Department. Thursday, October 8th, 2020, 22-34-49-0400. 5,500-0-$100. $5,500. Verify here. Your account information. Name. Email address. Verify. Email. Email address. Verify. Thursday, October 8th, 2020, 22 Minus 0400. Verify. Now, when I went to copy and paste the text of this email into the information for this episode, I noticed there was actually no text at all. Everything was contained within an image. This is a way that many spammers try to evade the spam filters. The filters can't read the text in the images like it can read the actual text in the email. However, because this technique became popular among spammers, it's almost useless anymore because most spam filters will block emails that only contain an image 
especially when they come from an unknown source. Also, in case you didn't notice, my payment increased by $2,500 just while I was reading that email. The first part of the message announced a $3,000 payout, but then a few lines later, the amount increased to $5,500. However, if the final amount only ends up being $3,000, I'll still take the money. I better go get my application for this money in right away. If you find a scam email you think we'd like to read on the show, forward it to scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a multiple answer question, which means that any combination of these answers could be correct. The question is, which of these precautions should you take when you use your card at an ATM? A, pull on the card slot to see if anything detaches. B, drive around the bank several times before pulling up to the ATM. C, call the police to examine the ATM before you do anything. D, cover the pin pad as you enter your pin. Or E, look for any unusual cameras mounted nearby. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 2 in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m., on Thursday, October 15th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quizrules. Last week's question was, if you find a USB flash drive on the ground or somewhere else, which of these is the best action to take? A. Plug it in and try to figure out the owner. B. Take it to the police or security in the building where you found it. C. Give it to your friend. Or D, put up a flyer that says, USB stick found. The correct answer is B. If you find a flash drive laying on the ground or sitting around somewhere unattended, don't plug it into your computer. That flash drive could have malware that will install on your device automatically. It seems like everything is getting smart these days. From smart toilets and smart refrigerators to smart vacuums and smart forks, it seems that there's no shortage of devices that can be monitored and controlled over the internet. However, like computers, these smart devices can be vulnerable. We'll have more on how you can protect your smart home devices when we come back from this quick break. Hey, it's Jim. I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a brand new class I'll be teaching. It's called the 5-Day Security Boost. 
For five days from November 9th through November 13th, I'll be live on Facebook at 9 p.m. each night, teaching you about five quick changes that will make a huge difference in your online safety. It's a great opportunity to not just learn about online security, but also to ask me any questions that you might have. And if you can't make it live, you can still sign up because replays will be available through November 20th. For more information or to sign up, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash securityboost. Can you imagine the shock and horror of going into your newborn's bedroom and hearing a stranger talking to your child? Over the last three to four years, there have been numerous stories of that exact situation playing out in people's homes. Vulnerabilities have been found in many different models of internet-connected baby monitors, and attackers have managed to find their way through those devices and to the children they're supposed to be protecting. These connected devices are convenient, but unfortunately, there's a growing concern about their security. Many companies rush to get these devices made, and in the process, building security into the device becomes an afterthought. As a result, you end up with stories about devices like these connected baby monitors being compromised by others. These smart devices are often referred to as the Internet of Things, or IoT. Some of these sound incredibly useful, while others sound downright ridiculous. There are smart thermostats, smart refrigerators, and smart beds, but there are also devices like smart umbrellas, smart egg cartons, and smart toilet brushes. But regardless of whether your IoT device is in your bedroom, your bathroom, or your kitchen, there are steps you need to take to protect that device and your network. Here are six steps to take to protect your smart devices. First, lock down your router. Your router is already the central hub for all of your internet traffic, and its importance grows even more when you start adding more and more connected devices. Last week, we discussed how to lock down your router, so we won't rehash everything that we discussed again in this episode. However, if you have smart home devices or you're thinking about getting them, I would definitely recommend going back to episode 26 and listening about how you can secure your router. Second, if possible, create a second network just for your IoT devices. Some routers offer the ability to create multiple Wi-Fi networks. If your router offers that ability, then I would definitely recommend setting up a second network just for your IoT devices. That way, if one of your smart devices does become compromised, it won't affect the data on your computer or your phone. Unfortunately, many routers won't be able to set up extra networks. In that case, you should consider using a firewall to block connections from the smart devices, except on the devices that you'll use to manage them. For example, if you have a smart thermostat, you probably won't use every device in your home to manage that thermostat. 
If you don't plan to actually use your computer to manage the thermostat, block a connection between your thermostat and the computer. That way, if someone does manage to get into the thermostat, that person won't then be able to use the thermostat to get anything off of your computer. Third, set or change passwords on the device whenever possible. Due to the multitude of connected devices, there's no possible way to discuss how to accomplish this step, even in general terms. So the best I can tell you is to look through the documentation for that device and search for mentions of passwords. There might be passwords for access to the device or a password to access the configuration or administrator panel. And don't be surprised if there's more than one password on some devices. If there is a default password set, change it. If no password is set, add one. Having no passwords or default passwords can put your device at risk. Changing those passwords will greatly improve the security of your devices. Fourth, disable universal plug-and-play on the devices. Universal plug-and-play is a set of standards that allow all of these smart devices to connect with each other easily. It's designed to make it easier for anyone to be able to set up these devices. However, in making it simple to connect devices, it also makes it easier for others to get their devices onto your network. It's fine if you want to use universal plug-and-play to connect your devices, but disable it once you have the devices connected. If you get a new device, you can always turn it back on, but by shutting it off, you keep someone from being able to use their device to exploit the feature. Fifth, check for firmware updates for your smart devices. Firmware is a small piece of software that's loaded onto your device. It manages the operation of the device and its connections and settings. Hopefully, when flaws are discovered in your smart devices, the company will release an updated version of the firmware that fixes those problems. However, there are two problems with this. First, some companies have never given any thought to how they'll update the firmware. So if a security flaw is found, their device may not even be repairable. Second, many people hold on to these devices for well beyond the time frame that the company promises to support them. In the newsbeat of last week's episode, I mentioned a smart coffee maker that the company said it was no longer updating. It had been released in 2016, just four years ago, yet the company was no longer providing updates for it. If your device does have a way to get updates, check for them often. Don't rely on the company to notify you when a new firmware version is available. Just count it as a bonus if you do happen to get a notice. And finally, lock down your other devices. Regardless of whether you've taken any of the other five steps or not, you need to take the steps to make sure that any compromise of these devices is limited to just that device and that someone can't use that device to steal information off of your other devices on the network. These smart devices promise many incredible benefits. Even some of the craziest sounding devices, like the internet-connected egg carton, serve a purpose that you might find useful. However, when you use these devices, 
you need to make sure that someone else can't use that shiny new device to compromise your personal information. To protect your information, first, lock down your router. Second, create a separate network whenever possible. Third, change the device's default passwords. Fourth, disable universal plug-and-play, at least when you're not using it. Fifth, check for firmware updates. And sixth, lock down your other devices. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and come back here again on Thursday when we will discuss the steps that you need to take to lock down your Facebook account. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.